Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. On KCW 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I am Al Warren. Joining me as co-host today, we've got Mr. Joe Goldberg. How's it going, Joe? Doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. Okay. Now, today, speaking of publishing and self-publishing, a person that's got a lot of books out. I mean, wow. Uh, makes me look like a uh, an amateur here. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, and so, Mr. Robert W. Walker, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate your uh, having me on. 
So, Robert, now how did uh, how did you get into this life? I mean, this is a major, major life. I mean, you've done so many books, way more than the average writer or Joe out there. And you're, so you're you're really a working author. Like you're doing this as, as a real business, um, which a lot of people don't do, uh, whether they have publisher or not. But um, is this something you saw for yourself when you were a little kid? Did you kind of look at yourself at six and kind of go, yeah, this is what I'm going to do? Or how did this happen? My high school uh, years, uh, sophomore years, I started writing my first book, uh, Daniel Webster Jackson and the Wrong Way Railway, inspired by Mark Twain. And my senior year, I finished it. And um, my my homeroom teacher, Miss Page, God bless her, she, uh, she got into the hands of a a counselor at Northwestern University. And since I got that far, I thought, well, maybe I can make a living of it. And um, I, I became a teacher with a teaching degree, so I'd have some time off to write. And my first uh, my first books were young adult historicals. And I thought that would be me, you know, but uh, there was no money in it. So uh, I, I transferred to writing horror and mystery, suspense, thrillers. And, um, you know, I started getting uh, contracts for for un, unwritten, unwritten books, you know. Oh my God, oh, where do I start? That's kind of scary because you you have unwritten books for contract, contracted for four books. I still can't live off that. So I continue teaching, keep my day job, and I, I enjoy teaching. You know, I've had that where I've had a four part, four book contract, and I felt an awful lot of pressure. Um, it's it's good to get it, but you're right. It's not like you're making money that you can retire, but there's also time limits. And so I found it to be like that whole time I was doing that. I felt very under stress. Do a lot of money very, very carefully. <laughs> you know, yeah. Two percent here, four percent there. You no, know, by, by how much you finished the book. Yeah. I found it, I found it a very rough process, especially because I wasn't, uh, real experienced either so i felt a great deal of pressure um but um so now you you've kind of gone on the self-publishing route haven't you? you've kind of jumped off the uh publishing yeah. network sort of thing now so that's a hard thing in itself because as not only are you writing and editing and, and getting everything together you're choosing your covers your 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 titles everything and then you also have to get um it marketed in some way, you got to, you know, get out there and talk to people and get out and do book signings. You got to do all that stuff and you have nobody there as support. Um, do, you, do you find that even more challenging now or what, what's the big book signings are kind of hard with ebooks? <laughs> you know, I actually can't, can't do much in the way of book signings. <laughs> yeah. My first 40 books I did with New York, they weren't doing much for me. I got a lot of encouragement from a writer friend, Joe Conrath since I had so many books, 40 books at that point, to get on the e-books. And he thought I, I would do very well on e-books. So I looked into it and, and decided to make the switch and start doing self-publishing. Yeah, the hardest part is marketing and getting getting the word out that you've got a new book coming out. I was fortunate, though, that I had readers already. They look forward to the next t- title in the series. Doing series work uh, is how I came up with so many books now. I'm, I'm at 88. Uh, you do a series and you do the first book and the next book becomes a lot easier because you've got an ensemble of characters and you just throw more mud at them. 
you know, you've got a villain in the first book, you got to have a worse villain in the second book, third book, fourth book, <laughs> sometimes two villains. Well, Robert, that's my question. You write a lot of series. You've written a lot of books. How do you plan out a series? Do you know where you're going by book? Some of your series have about eight more books to, to it. So how do you plan it out? Do you just kind of go in? One of these buyer seat writers, I, I, I kind of just write that first chapter. I kind of have a, a vague idea of what the, the villain is. Sometimes if you read the first chapter, you don't get any further than that because it's so bad. <laughs> if I start with the villain... <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. You started the villain. I'm surprised uh, that this guy's editing my book right now. And I'm saying, well, I'm glad you got through the first chapter because uh, it gets pretty gr- pretty gruesome uh, with the uh, um, types of serial killers I use. And I've got a book called uh, The Beast Within, and it's written by, coincidentally, Benjamin Walker. And I just found it in a library cell, and it has all the body parts and what what all the years of contemplation that people have had about the nose, the ears. As long as I've got body parts, I can I can use that book for research and I can write another serial killer title. Before I did the series of titles of uh, body part uh, titles, like my instinct series, my my edge series, before I got into uh, research was a little hard getting into the mind of the killers. But uh, having grown up in Chicago, it wasn't that hard. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm outside Chicago, so I'm safe, right? (laughs) I was born in Mississippi, the most illiterate state in the Union, the most poverty there in the Union. My dad moved us up to Chicago looking for work. He was a a World War War II vet. Growing up in Chicago was quite a uh, a difference from growing up in the the Old South. I figure if I stayed, if I grew up in uh, Mississippi, all I'd be interested in is fishing and hunting. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have probably pursued writing. Chicago's full of, uh, you know, great history history of writers. Mark Twain. I, I just got so fascinated with him. I wanted to do a book where I, I actually sounded like him. So, uh, imitating Twain. For I was just going to see if I could do it for a paragraph, or a chapter, and then it just it just took off from there. And I got a book uh, from that, and I had fun with it. And if you're having fun with it, you might as well stick with it. So I continued on to other young adult historicals. So surrounding uh, historical moments like the um, Revolutionary War, the uh, Civil War, pre-Civil War, Vikings arriving in on the planet, <laughs> you know. Well, that's what I found interesting, Robert, because I find it, I find how would you characterize what you write? Because you said gore. There's, you know, that's a lot of comments, and that that seems to be sort of the – Thing. How, how, how do you see realistic horror, you know, real horror, <laughs> because it's like it's real. It's happening. It's in the newspaper. It's not something that's just made up. Horror, I do horror books, too, and I find it a little easier to work with monsters than humans, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> the same thing or many times. They monsters are. are kind of fun. Creatures like vampires, werewolves. I've got a series called the Blood Scream series. Uh, and in the Bloodstream series, I do vampires, werewolves, and I create some monsters of my own. And they're a little more fun to work with, easier on your your um, your own nerves. Because dealing with serial killers, kind of like looking into a real pit. I, I don't know. How, I don't know how medical examiners do it. Sometimes I'm, I'm I, I, at a book signing or something. People think I'm a medical. They've read some of my books. 
So they think I'm in the medical field. Yeah, I, I don't know. How, how could someone write in, uh, write about true crime and serial killers? I don't know. They're probably a little, a little A couple off. times I wanted to quit doing that. That's why I do a books intermediary between those serial killer uh, books. I will do the young adult books uh, or historical. Sometimes uh, between those books, I'll, I'll do something a little easier. So I got to get away from the abyss of human, the human er- evil of humans. Did you find getting into your character? It, it must be a different process than when you're writing about, like in, your instinct series. It must be way different than doing something like a young adult or something. So how does how do you set yourself up for that character, or do you, do you plan on a person? It's very much like actors you get into a role. When you when you create the the the, the character, it really mindset. If you, you know, it's almost like you smell their smell. Kind of work toward the sixth sense, especially your main character. I challenge myself to do female characters a, a great deal. Instinct series of the main characters, a female medical examiner, and it's a real challenge. But when I get a, a, a fan letter from somebody that couldn't have children and uh, she she can't have children, I really reach that that real-life person, that, that really hits you. So I think it's a, a matter of being an actor, writer, and taking on the, the role of that character. And then when the opposite character, the villain, you have to take on that role. Somehow I'm very good at that. <laughs> you know, I'm a good guy. But, uh, when you write, are you doing plot in your head first, or characters? Or are, they, or are they too intertwined to be able to separate them? as you're- The longer I've written, the more I've been become character-driven writer. Earlier, I was more plot-driven, but now I think the character-driven is more fascinating, more interesting, more complex. But I, I don't, I kind of need, you need to marry a plot with a character. They're not, they're not so separated as, as the textbooks say. As a matter of fact, the textbooks, they, they have a chapter on plot and a separate chapter on this, that, and the other, when in fact you have to entwine it all. It all has to be connected, you know. The glove that fits the, the plot, that fits the uh, character. You, yeah, you're right. I was going to say, first of all, that you do have to marry them because even your killer, um, even the, the evil person, you want to develop them, and, and part of that is going through a, some sort of change, some sort of thing happens. Otherwise, it's not as interesting, like you're going through some sort of change. You want the villain to have as much importance in the story as as your hero. And the hero has to stand up to the villain, uh, rise up, uh, be developed as as well as the villain. And the villain has to be developed as well as the hero. I think Marvel Comics do that. <laughs> Very well. They yeah. still do. Tired of the movies making so much of the hero, you know, the hero, the hero, the hero. You don't get any of the sad part of the, uh, you know, the, the toady creature that sits alone in his sad self. I've got one char- character that paints his uh, light bulbs with the blood of his victims so that he can get the aroma of, of what he's done. When you're doing this story about a character or what covers going on, are you the person that sees the character, feels them, smells them, hears them? Like, what's, what's your personal experience with your characters? Got to triangulate uh, every scene. So if it's, a, if it's a scene with a villain, you triangulate the, the emotions, um, try to use them all. And uh, if you can get to that sixth sense, boy, 
that that's marvelous, whether it's the hero or the villain. The sixth sense is that religious sense, the sense of five senses. You raise up, you raise up the characters using the five senses, triangulating as much as you can in a, in a given scene. Uh, what he's hearing, listening to, what he's seeing. He might have the radio on or jukebox, what he smells. Even down to a character feeling like the city of Chicago is his. It's his environment. I write some historical novels, too. My city series with Ransom. And uh, Ransom, he's the detective in 1893 during the uh, World's Fair. And that series is like... That's a new one, right? That series is like one of my... One of my favorites. I've carried on with ebooks. I've carried that series. The publisher ended it after three unsellable titles. That's one reason I, I got into ebooks. I didn't want to leave this character behind. So ebook, I can carry it on, and I've carried it on to four more books. And he he, he uh, he's on the Titanic by the end. You know, you know what that means. <laughs> I put a monster. On, I put a monster on the deck. Kind of like. Uh, Everything I do, I, I put a monster on a Titanic creature, changing changeling creature, and um, our hero has chased him to that point. When you take particular historical events and you're writing these characters around them, what is it that helps you choose which which events? My young adult books, uh, they're always chosen around a historical point, like the Revolutionary War. Uh, you, you know, I... Um, with a problem that they've got to solve, a goal that they've got to reach. But they're always 14 years old. It's a kid, young kid. How did um, Washington get his uh, his cannons? Because he's sitting outside of uh, Boston, and he's got one pea shooter. So these guys go up to Fort Ticonderoga, and uh, the 14-year-old kid who's a carpenter, they have to float these things over rivers. They get, there's no float road to go through, you know. So they have to cut cut roads, and uh, the, the um, so the effort of getting those cannons intact from Fort Ticonderoga, which was held by the British by the time, it was taken without a single shot. That's the interesting historical stuff, you know. And they had to cross frozen rivers with these heavy cannons, and they do eventually get them to Washington, that is to George Washington. And this kid uh, uh, is all involved in it, you know, 14 years old. Is there a lesson learned in that that you want the reader to get out of that particular book? I don't books? hit him over the head with it, you know. It's um, picked it up along the way. You know, a 14-year-old kid reading the book can imagine himself in that role. Or a 12-year-old, actually it's for 12 and up. Grandpas can read it to their kids. That book is uh, titled Ben, ben Cross and the and the Guns of Ticonderoga. So I put it on uh, ebook because I couldn't find a publisher for it because those books are, at this point, really hard to sell to the uh, uh, hardcover or paperback uh, publishers. So I moved into ebooks 2000, I think it was. And since then, I was able to, you know, do some things you can't do with normal publishing, like publish three books in a, in a year. I would not be able to do that with uh, additional publishers. Have you ever thought of just slowing down and writing the great American novel, saying, okay, I've done 80 novels now, and now it's time for my, my To Kill a Mockingbird moment. I gave up on that <laughs> sometime back. You gave up? Yeah. So for the what I think is sell, I was, uh, my original goal was to 
write as much books as, as my age. And at 72, I, I caught up to my age. And now what, what am I going to do now? Well, I, my new, new goal is to make it to 100 books. Yeah, exactly. I've got all these series that I can all, always write another book on because I know what the characters are. I know who the characters are. I don't have to develop the characters anymore. I can just throw uh, stones at them. And your plots are taken from uh, current events many times or historical events. Yeah, many times it's historical events. I do a lot of reading, also in medical medical field. Anything really curious, in the, a curious story I find in a newspaper would spark a, a story. You know, like I saw a story about these kids in elite school in uh, Hawaii. You know, they got it made. But uh, they snuck out of their school and uh, killed all these birds that were in a bird sanctuary for no good reason. So I thought, uh, boy, I'd make a great short story, though, if we got revenge on those kids. So I wrote that as a short story. Not not going to be long enough for I mean, it, w it wouldn't support a novel. I do a lot of short stories. I've got a couple short story books up on uh, Kindle. How much research do you, do you take to go into this? I do a lot of research. I think I said earlier that book signings, uh, keep, people ask me if I'm a detective or if I'm a medical examiner. <laughs> I'm neither one. <laughs> I just do a lot of research. Uh, but I, I watch a lot of uh, medical examiner shows. I, I get every, every, every book ever written by a medical examiner. I read from cover to cover, do a lot of reading to get my ideas together. And I'll stumble on something in the reading that I think, wow, that would make a good short story or make a good novel. It's like when I was a kid, I, I learned very early work, working on my first book that I wrote in high school. I, I realized I didn't know enough because I was about 30 pages in. And I didn't know enough about the Underground Railroad, which was the impetus, impetus for the whole book. So I stopped writing and started reading about the Underground Railroad. And that's been a lesson all my life. Exactly. Do you travel at all for your research, or is it pretty much uh, on the Internet? I can, or when I can. I've been in Hawaii. One of my books is set in Hawaii. And it was like a year of writing the book, and I felt like I was still in Hawaii because I brought so many things, you know, so many books and uh, maps and, uh, you know, even books about the flora and fauna. I set up a, set up a map room, and uh, I can do the distances between here and there. And... Uh, most interesting things that I've thought were interesting in Hawaii. So it's kind of a travel book, but it's a murder mystery, a serial killer book, actually. I set the serial killer in in paradise, and that sets up a nice juxtaposition. You know, I don't want to do it at Disneyland, but I will do it at, in, a, in a state. The fans of your book, which just seems to be quite a variety because you write a variety of stuff, what are they looking for from you? They say, oh, it's a Robert W. Walker book. I'm looking for this. This is going to be that. What do, what do you want to give them so they keep coming back? Usually they figure out it's a young adult book. And I, I never heard a complaint about it. But I enjoy doing those books because I, I can get a little respite from the Instinct series. Most of my fan, most of my big, the biggest seller is my Instinct series. But that's only because they don't realize the Edge series is even better. The Edge series is more down to the street level cop stuff. My character is a... American Indian who's gone off the reservation <laughs> and he's become a detective for Houston Houston uh, Police de Police Department and he's a uh, he's a cool guy you know? that guy Smiths could play him uh, in a movie but sometimes I I get a character 
And I think, oh, Dennehy. Brian Dennehy? Yeah, Brian Dennehy. It's perfect for the, the character, the main character, Ransom, in City for Ransom. And I think uh, Instinct, uh, I haven't quite come up with an act- actress for her, but almost any really good actress could play her. Jimmy Smith's for the Edge series. I had him in mind the entire time. So edgy. Nobody knows what he's going to do next. Well, what do you want to do next? Do you keep continue on your next series? You start another series? What is it in the? Because you you pump them out. You're pumping out three a, a year. I was looking at your at the, the release date. So what is it you're going to do? I really had a serious uh, head injury. I can't tell you how bad it was. I was on a ventilator. Uh, I'm walking now when it came. So it'd be a lot easier for me to just continue one of my series. Uh, I started a new series called the Under Series. Uh, under the Dead Man's Hat, Under the Dead Lady's Corset, very Edgar Allan Poe-ish. And then the third one I'm working on now, and I'd like to finish, is Under the Hair of the Dock. You know you're going to get a medical examiner doing an autopsy on a dock. Because the other, other two... Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good title. Two are, are, it's a new uh, medical examiner series. Uh, she's a little younger and uh, doesn't have as much experience. But she's a Chicago medical examiner. and she works with a guy that I did another series on, Dean Grant. He was the medical examiner for Chicago. So I, I brought him back. He's in the series. There's two ladies, medical examiners. They kind of help each other because Grant's a handful. So are, are you mentioned, and I see that you write short stories. What is the difference in your writing for the short story to the, make it into a novel or put those into a well, set? What's the difference for you in writing stuff from short to long? I like shorts because it's just quick and easy. And uh, I, go by the, uh, I go by the rule of one. You know, stick with one main character, one setting, one, uh, one kind of mood you want to set, and everything comes back circular. One setting at the beginning, you're still at the first the setting at the beginning, you're setting at the end. Like a lady in the closet, and she's thinking of the various times that she should have known that this guy was bad news. But by the end of the story, she's she's found a big, long knitting needle. And when he opens the door, you know where he's locked her in. He's a bit abusive husband. She's got. She's decided she's not going to take it anymore. So she's got the knitting needle, and the door opens, and that's all you need. You don't have to show the the violence. I think uh, violence isn't necessary uh, very often. You can just show the conflict. Conflict is necessary. Violence is not necessary, especially in a short story. My good friend Joe Conrath, who's a writer, kind of taught me how to do that short story, come full circle, because I was doing terrible short stories. My mind was not set to do short. My mind was set to do full-length novels. But Joe sat me down and did the one, one, one thing. Uh, one character, one setting, one time zone. That was the third one I was trying to think of. And it, it, it really helps you to do the short story. I'd never heard that before. I'm writing that down. Circle on the, on the, on the floor, uh, on the wall. I teach creative writing and I show the points, you know, and it can be, it can be, the whole story can be flashback and, but it's got to be one main character, one setting, one time time zone. So one is the secret. Number one is the secret. Yeah, works very well for almost any story I've done. The short story book I did, uh, one short story book I did, I, I used the main character in each one of my novel series it's set in a short story. That's called um, Party of Eight, because there were eight stories, eight, eight uh, main characters. 
at that time. I've got like 10 series now. Uh, I think I got more series than Stephen King. Everybody's in Stephen King's shadow. His, his short stories are amazing. Robert Block's short stories. The guy who wrote Psycho. Fantastic short story writer. Chekhov. Great short story. The Russian short story writer. Uh, a short story, a really nice short story. Beautiful. It's more like a, a diamond, whereas a novel is more like a string of pearls. You know, chapter, chapter, chapter. I feel more comfortable with that. But I did a series of short stories called Darkness Chasing Light. Those are the two I have on, on uh, Kindle. And I, I kind of got pretty good at the short story. I enjoyed it uh, after I started doing that, that process. And I like the surprise ending. I like to do surprise endings like O. Henry. I kind of read a lot of O. Henry. I've got so many uh, writers that I've learned from, stolen from, that have inspired me. I can't even list them all. Who's number one? Mark Twain. I'm my spiritual advisor, fantastic writer. And the fact that he could write nonfiction and fiction got me realizing that I really wanted to write in various genres, categories. I didn't want to write in one category. My editors, when I was doing New York, they were all that that didn't please them. They want me to stick with one series, one one type of genre. They don't want you to mix it up. If someone hasn't read one of your books yet, what one book or what series would you tell them to go to first in order to get uh, the the feel or what you want them to know about you? Well, if they're really interested in, in realistic horror, like newspaper serial killers, that's a killer instinct. But if they're interested in more like the Chicago or uh, New York or Los Angeles stories, are more like police stories. I would say uh, the first Edge book, Cutting Edge. I never liked that title, but they they decided the publisher at that point wanted all the books with the word Edge in them, so they started with Edge. Final Edge is my favorite in the series because it's based on my second second door. The killer is based on my second wife, which only lasted a year. We'll let the, we should let that go, Al. Let's let that go. We're going to have digging in Robert's backyard. <laughs> but if they're interested in the history, the Ransom book, City for Ransom, would be the first book. I'm really proud of that book because it, it, it really touches on history in a very well, very adult way. It's not a young adult. Uh, I also did a book on the American Indians in the Civil War. And they lost more people. They lost more men in the, in, during the Civil War in Indian Territory per capita than any state in the Union. People don't realize that. It's like the black people that have been in every American war. We don't give them enough uh, pride and attention. That book is called The Red Path. That's a historical novel. I've done a couple of books with the American Indians. And, of course, the uh, main character in the Edge books, he's a American Indian uh, off the res. But if you're looking for sweet Disney Disneyland stuff, the first book would be uh, Daniel Webster Jackson and the Wrong Way, Wrong Way Railway. That was my first book. I like the idea that I can write in three separate categories. It's impressive. It really is. So do you, do you have a favorite character out of all the characters you've written? One character that stays with you all the time? The character in all the instinct books. But I also really like Ransom. He's really cool. But uh, she's the one earning most of the money. <laughs> Good for her. 
quite a challenge to look right from a female point of view for a man. Right from your opposite. If you're white, make your character black. If you're black, make your character white. Do you feel like they can't? I, that's a question, though. Do you feel like they can't know that experience? That they're, you know, you, you don't know the black experience, you don't know the American Indian experience, you're not a female, you don't know the female core character? Imagine yourself a, a little kid in Africa, you know, setting. Imagine the setting you've never been into, you know, Mexico, and you're starving, and you're begging on the street. And some of my students do very well with that, some don't. My, my students, I've had students after 30 years contacting me on Facebook and found me, and they just want to say that you're the best English teacher I ever had. So I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. A couple of them are published, have published books. One of them quite, uh, doing quite well, Lee Shargell. He's making a lot more money than I am. <laughs> right one together. It's not all about money. It's about accomplishment and, uh, you know, feeling like you've done a good job. Do you have a website or a place that you like people to come find you? And uh, do you like getting comments from readers? Or um, how, how do people do that? I-N-K, Walker, at Yahoo.com. And that's my website. And I do a blog on there, too. And a lot of, a lot of article information, nonfiction which I'm also capable of, of kind of more on writing. Op- uh, most, most of my blogs are on the, the art of writing. Yeah, I've read several of them. They're very good. I, I, thank you for those. I consider writing an art form. If I wasn't a, a writer, I'd be an actor because I, I really become the characters. I think uh, writing is a challenge. You have to challenge yourself. And uh, I love the challenge. Well, this has been a great conversation. And we've enjoyed having you on. We'll have your website up on our website as well, so people can find you with one click. So thank you very much, Mr. Robert W. Walker. George, thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.